Welcome to Work and the Future, a podcast about tomorrow, with your host, Linda Nazareth. Well, hello, and thank you for joining us today. You know, it seems like every few years we change our minds on this one. Is getting an MBA super important, and is it the key to success, or is it an expensive waste of time that's not necessarily going to get you where you want to be? And by the way, when I say we, I actually mean the market, because some years it seems there's a ton of demand for MBAs, other years they're not nearly as coveted. Well, since we're coming out of the pandemic, I thought it was a good time to talk about all of this. A lot of people are thinking about what they want to do next, and it is an interesting time because we may be coming out into a boom, but it's not really clear which workers will be most in demand when we get a year or two years out of this. So to discuss all of that, I have a guest today that's very close to what's going on in the market for MBAs. Her name is Megan Hendricks, and she's the Executive Director of MBA Career Services and Employer Alliance. Now that's an organization that deals with both employers and schools, so she's pretty close to everything. She talks to us about what she's seeing in terms of demand for graduates, in terms of sectors, as well as some of the bigger trends that were in place maybe even before the pandemic started. So whatever side of this you're on as a student or graduate or employer, it's an interesting discussion, so please stay with us. So what's going on in terms of the market for MBA grads and where will it likely go in the future? Now, those are some of the questions that people are asking this year, this pandemic year. We have a couple of trends going on. And to talk about them in more detail, I'm joined by Megan Hendricks. She's the Executive Director of MBA Career Services and Employer Alliance. She joins me now from Gainesville, Florida. Hi, Megan. Hi. Well, thanks so much for joining us. You know, I uh, have a lot of questions about the MBA market, but I always like to start by asking people about their own careers because this is a a jobs podcast. How did you end up doing what you're doing? Yeah, um, so it's an interesting story. I started out as an accounting major um, and I chose that career field because of the stability. I'm generally not a risk taker and um, there was just a lot of opportunity at the time and still is, of course, for accounting majors. And um, But my freshman year in college, I spent a lot of time at the Career Center. Um, I just I found the computer-based career test to be fascinating. And to the point where I would try to manipulate them to see if I could change the results. Um, I just found that process so interesting. And I had no idea at the time that that that, that was an actual career that you could do, you know, help people find their career paths. Um, so I, I continued in my accountancy um, studies and I actually worked as an accountant for many years. And I decided that it just wasn't for me and I wanted a career change. So I went back to school to get an MBA. Um, originally considering HR because I thought that field looked um, pretty interesting. And while I was in the MBA program, I got a graduate assistant position in the career center, the MBA career center. Um, And so I learned a little bit about it there. And then when the director left, I ended up taking on that position and I worked there for 10 years. Um, And so while I was in that job, I got involved in the professional association for my industry, the MBA Career Services and Employer Alliance. Um, And I just really liked the mission of the organization and the work they did. I spent a lot of time volunteering for them. I was on their board a few years, chaired a conference. And when they opened up a position for their first executive director in 2009, I applied for the job and was accepted. And I've been doing that ever since. That's cool. It's interesting that almost no one I speak to is doing something they thought they would be doing as they finish school. 
Yeah, exactly. Never a straight line. Well, tell me about the organization, MBA Career Services and Employment, right? Employer Employer clients. Yeah, it's a mouthful. I'll give you that. Um, So we've been in existence since 1994, and we are a global professional association for MBA career services professionals and employers. So our members consist of the people who work in the career center in the business schools, like what I used to do, and the employers who hire those business students. Um, Our main mission is to bring those groups together for learning, networking, and community, um, and basically just help them do better at their jobs, you know, help them make the connections, establish the relationships and learn, um, you know, to to help that relationship. And we do this through conferences. We have three conferences a year in Asia, Europe, and the United States. Um, We also do ongoing professional development and training. We have boot camps for career services and employers. We have affinity groups and um, just other interactive activities to kind of enhance their job skills and bring them together to meet one another. Um, We also conduct research on a regular basis with our schools on the job market, as well as some benchmarking for both the schools and the employers. Um, And another really important pillar of our organization is the standards for um, employment data. So we authorized and still uh, manage standards that business schools use to make sure that the employment data they're reporting to the public, whether it be to prospective students, to employers, to rankings institutions, make sure that that data is comparable and uh, consistent and reliable. Before the standards existed, schools were out there putting forth data that wasn't necessarily calculated in a consistent way. So it was hard to compare one school to another. Um, and, And once we implemented the standards now, there is a consistent way that schools use to do things like calculate base salary and things like that. So, um, so that's another big, you know, kind of important pillar of what we do and something that the schools really value. So you're really close to what's going on. It's interesting that you're looking at things internationally too, because I'm based in Toronto and many of our guests and listeners are in the U S but also in Europe and elsewhere. And MBAs are kind of an international brand now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk about what you were seeing. Pre-pandemic, obviously, the U.S. economy was very hot. Most of the global economy was very hot. What were the big trends then? Was there a lot of demand for MBA grads? Yeah, so we do a recruiting trend survey every fall, the end of each fall semester, where we ask our school members to compare the recruiting that they're seeing on and off campus to the same time period the previous year. Um, So our fall 2019 survey was conducted January 2020, so right before everything started shutting down. And at that time, we were seeing a relatively stable job market. Um, a, A good half of our members indicated that on-campus recruiting opportunities had increased for their school, which is about the same as what we saw the previous year. So things seem to be pretty stable and and looking pretty good. Um, And even back then, the tech industry was seeing a growth. Um, And so it did did bode well, if you will, going into the pandemic, having such a strong and stable job market, because it's an indication that the stability will eventually return once things get back to quote-unquote normal. What sectors in particular were looking for MBAs? Um, the, the tech sector was the strongest growing then, even as well as now. Um, so it was the largest increase that our schools saw. Um, but also consulting and healthcare were also strong at that time for MBAs. Um, and that was a continued trend that we had seen for a few years. On the specialty master side, so other business masters, um, they also we were also seeing an increase in financial services. So it's obviously been a really weird year. Um, I'm not sure how much 2020 was affected, but certainly 21 is strange. What are the major things you're seeing? How much of, a, well, is there even a drop in demand? 
Yeah, um, so I think the demand in MBA, so we did conduct another survey in fall 2020, um, or about fall 2020, rather. So the survey was conducted this year in January. Um, and so we do have a little bit of data to compare from year to year. I think the demand for MBAs has mirrored the demand for other degrees. Um, and, and so we did see a definite downward shift, mostly due to uncertainty in hiring plans and industry shifts. Um, so the number of schools that told us they saw an increase in recruiting this year um, was definitely lower than last year. Um, so we did see that and we, we kind of predicted it. I think a lot of our we talked to schools about their reactions to the survey and a lot of them said that actually it wasn't as bad as they predicted. I mean, they knew it was going to be they knew recruiting would be down, but they thought it would be down more than it was. Um, so um, that was some kind of a silver lining, if you will. But um, and then in, in terms of actual employment statistics. A lot of schools reported that it was the same, and some of them said it was slightly down um, compared to the, the previous year. Um, but I think these skill sets, well, what I'm hearing from schools and what I've noticed is that the skill sets for MBAs are still definitely needed. Um, so, you know, the things like dealing with ambiguity, you know, emerging markets, change management, uh, operations, logistics challenges, those skills were definitely needed this past year. Um, so MBAs are still finding jobs, just maybe not the jobs that they thought they were going to find. A lot of students have had to kind of shift industries or shift career paths um, and, you know, not on the same trajectory as they thought they would be, um, but there's still jobs out there. Um, like we mentioned before, the tech industry saw similar demand this year to last year, so they didn't see a decrease. Um, healthcare saw the biggest increase this year. 50% of schools saw an increase in healthcare compared to 10% in 2019, which is huge. We usually don't see that big of a shift in one industry. And even bigger than that, hospitality saw the largest decrease, which is also well, not, not surprising. surprising. Yeah. Um, but 61% of schools saw a decrease compared to 6% the previous year. So that was also a, a significant jump. But again, not surprising. Well, you can see, obviously, hospitality is going through difficult times. Obviously, tech is booming. But is it more than that? Is it because the sector is booming? Or do they just see the value of an MBA? Um, I think it's a little of both. Um, I, I think it, I think it is, it, you know, like I said, MBA demand is going to mirror overall market demand. And that's why we saw a huge increase in tech, but definitely um, they are seeing the value that MBAs bring to the table in terms of all those skills that I mentioned before, you know, helping them enter into new markets and manage the change that they're going through with the pandemic and, and things like that. So I, I do think it's a little of both. Yeah. So now we're coming out of the pandemic and hopefully later this year, it'll be normal, whatever that is, as you said, people are thinking about changing careers or maybe getting more education. So obviously, a lot of them are going to be thinking about getting an MBA. Now, what's changed in that calculation? We've always weighed the cost, which is not low, versus the benefit. Do you think it has changed or where would you put it? Well, um, a lot of schools have actually seen an increase in admissions. Um, and we do see that sometimes in times of economic downturn is, you know, we'll see an increase in admissions because you know people will be out of a job and they'll decide to go back to school for that, you know, for that reason. They'll, decide to upskill. So, you know, we have seen that trend, but um, as far as the benefits versus the cost, I mean, that's, that's always been a topic of controversy and conversation, as I'm sure, you know, um, I think it really depends on so many things, the actual cost of the program, the cost of foregone salary, if you're in a full-time MBA program and long-term salary potential. And those are going to be different based on, you know, your industry, your school, your individual situation, 
Overall, I think the degree is still worth the investment because of the long-term potential and the broad skill set that it does come with. And, and the skills that these students are, are gaining are going to be applicable to so many different jobs in their lifetime. So in the long term, I definitely think that the investment is still worth it. It's interesting that you bring up skills because skills are what's important now. And I've had people on the podcast or just in general saying, you know, it, the actual degree doesn't matter the way it used to. The school doesn't matter the way it used to. You know, what I want to know is whether people can do the job. And do you think that's something that's changed? Like, is it less about I have this degree from this school and I'm done and more about I've acquired these skills or was it always like that? I do think it's changed a little bit. You're, you're right. You know, I've heard I've heard that as well about you know our, our degrees still worth it. I think they still are, of course. But um, but yeah, no, I I agree. It has shifted a little bit in recent years. I think skills are very important, especially soft skills. That's what we're seeing from companies and the research that we've read and that we've done is is they definitely value those soft skills. But I would argue that your degree can help you gain those soft skills as well, just as much as experience can. So I think it's really about the whole package. Um, you know, and, and MBAs are still gaining skills in their program too, because they're doing project work, they're doing internships, they're coming into the program with job skills because, you know, most MBA programs have a pre-degree work experience requirement or at least suggestion. Um, so they are coming and leaving with skills and gaining skills. But um, I do think business schools know that. I think they're hearing that from companies as well. And I think they're adjusting their curriculum, they're adjusting their, you know, experiential learning to make sure that they are providing students with those skills so that it's not just the degree anymore. So let's go forward. If we're looking at the next several years, where do you see demand going? What will change in terms of demand for MBAs? Um, well, like I said, I think we have seen an increase in admissions this year. I mean, not at every school, you know, but overall, I think that's the trend we're seeing right now. So we're going to see more people getting an MBA and coming out of an MBA in a couple of years from now. Um, I think it'll take us a while to get back to some sense of normalcy, even as things start to open up and businesses start to recover. Um, and that normalcy won't be the same as ever before. I mean, we're looking at the next normal, um, not not the new normal, but the next normal. Um, I, you know, like I said, I think demand will eventually wake its way back. It'll just look different. I think students will need to remain flexible in their job search. I think the um, maybe the traditional path will will go away or will shift, and no longer will they come into a program saying, "I want to work in this industry and do this job." You know, it's more about, like you said, it's more about I want to gain these skills so that I can be employable in the future. I think that kind of mindset shift might happen. Um, and then I also see a bigger focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion in you know, recruitment and in student needs. I think that's going to have a, a strong impact on you know the future of recruiting and the future of demand for MBAs as well. How important is the school you go to? I mean, I've kind of asked this before. It used to be about you know maybe the uh, the thing you put on your CV, and I went to this school. Is it still as important or are most schools, most schools competitive or, you know, are there some that are just better? I think that also depends on your goal as a student. Um, There are still some companies, particularly like the more well-known companies in the traditional MBA industries that focus on what they call core schools. And sometimes those core schools are developed based on the rankings. Um, So there is still a little bit of that going on in the MBA world. That doesn't mean it's impossible to get a job with that company. Um, And I think virtual recruiting has made it easier to get a job with companies that don't typically recruit at your school. Um, So I think that has helped and that has shifted it a little bit. 
Um, but again, you know, some schools and some candidates have a regional focus. And in that case, um, it, it doesn't matter as much. You know, if you go to if, if you if you want to work in a specific region and there's a school in that region, you might go to that school and then get a job in that region. And, you know, the the um, the rankings focus isn't isn't as important in that case. Um, so I do think it's shifted a little bit, um, but not completely. I think there's still a little bit of that um, importance there on the school. You mentioned virtual recruiting. Was that going on before the pandemic or is that pandemic related? It was going on before the pandemic, but it's, tr- it's tremendously increased with the pandemic. Um, you know, there were even some employers before the pandemic that were a little bit um, reluctant to do a virtual career fair, for example, because they really just valued that in person and said, you know, I, I'm not not interested. But now they have to do it, um, or at least for the past year, they've had to do it so that, you know, they've and schools have been forced to do it in a creative and innovative and meaningful way. Um, and and employers have been forced to recruit in an innovative and meaningful way. And I think they've done it. They've learned. And I think they'll keep some of that honestly, going forward. Well, I can't help but think this is a huge advantage to smaller companies who can't go to every career fair, but this way would have access to grads. And it's an advantage to the students too. Absolutely. And the schools. And the schools. Yeah. So in the long run, this might be a positive thing. You know, in terms of the recruitment process, are there things you would like to see improved or changed? Yeah. I mean, I think all of the benefits of virtual recruiting I would like to see stay. Um, I, I think, like I said, I think we'll probably keep the best parts and lose the worst parts of virtual recruitment as we go back, which is a good thing. I think it's good because, as you mentioned, it increases accessibility, um, and it it may even help for better candidate fit when you think about it. You know, if you've if you've done a good job, you've perfected this virtual recruitment process. Um, you know, I'm hearing that schools like it because the companies can include. Um, higher level managers in the process, whereas before they may have just sent, they could only afford to send a small team to recruit at the school, but now they can bring their whole entire team into the um, interviewing process, for example. And that might help them make a better decision for candidate fit. Um, It also may increase diversity in, you know, because they have more access to diverse candidates. and diversity as, as far as schools type too. So I think that, and it also broadens school uh, student reach too, because they can be able to um, to meet with companies that are smaller that might not have been able to come to their school. Um, and as companies keep remote work, I think, as part of their portfolio offering, it in also increases their access to candidates because they no longer have to hire candidates who are able to move to their locations. They can hire people from around the world, and that significantly increases the um, availability, you know, skill sets that they can offer. And it helps for a global work environment too. So, um, you know, I would like to see that stay and I think it will, um, you know, like I said, companies broadening their reach, students doing the same, more flexibility and openness all around. Um, I mentioned diversity recruiting earlier. I think, um, companies are going to do more and more to articulate the, way that they value diversity and equity and inclusion in their company, um, because more and more students are asking for that. Um, And, you know, schools are starting to help students determine which companies are doing a good job at that, because that's becoming more and more important to students. So I think that's something that will become more and more of a critical part of the recruitment process as we go forward as well. Megan, I'm hearing more and more that it's going to be an economic boom. And as an economist, I tend to agree with that. There's a lot of pent up demand. Do you think it's going to be a huge banner year in 22 in terms of demand? <laughs> it's hard to predict. I certainly hope so. I mean, you would think that after after the you know downturn, if you will, of this year, that like you said, everything would just bounce back. I think it does depend on the pandemic, though, because 
even though schools, companies, people are starting to be more comfortable opening up, we don't know what that's going to do. You know, we don't know what these these COVID variants are going to do. We don't know what vaccination is going to look like. We can only speculate. So I, I think a lot of that really depends. We don't know where we're going to be at the end of this year or a year from now. Um, but, you know, if I had to guess, I would say I would probably agree that it's it's just going to get better and better. Well, that's a good note to end it on. Megan, thank you so much for joining me today. Sure. Thank you. Megan Hendricks is the Executive Director of MBA Career Services and Employer Alliance. Well, that's it for today. If you'd like to know more about Megan and her work, take a look at our show notes. You'll find some links there. If you want to connect with me, I'm on Twitter at at RelentlessEco. If you did enjoy this discussion, please take a moment, leave a rating or review wherever you get your podcasts. We'll really help people to find us. It'll help us continue these discussions about the future of work. Thank you so much for listening. And thanks as always to Stokely Audio for audio production. To learn more about work and the future and to see show notes, go to the workandthefuturepodcast.com. You can also contact us at comments at the workandthefuturepodcast.com. The Work in the Future podcast with Linda Nazareth is a relentless economics production. Mm-hmm.